It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, February 22nd, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that has to say when McDavid McDavid's, it is quite a thing. It really is. We are going to talk about the Flyers game against the Oilers, do a trade deadline update, and get to your mailbag questions all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Flyers. That is where we post about our episodes and Flyers news. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail. That is how you can ask us mailbag questions like the ones we are getting to today. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Locked On Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're over on YouTube as well. So subscribe there. Russ, man, I have to say, you know, like we were talking offline before we started recording today's show, to me, this game was more of an Oilers failure than a Flyers failure, despite the third period that the Flyers had, which was dreadful. Uh, But at the same time, you have to think that if the Flyers were able to kind of hold off the Oilers the way they did, only allowing... 10 shots on goal over the first 40 minutes that's actually you know a credit to the flyers and the, and their defense it is i mean it's definitely defensive scheme that for whatever reason causes problems for edmonton and and really throws them off so you, you give a nod to the coaching staff but again it's a shame but you know hockey is a 60 minute game and you got to play a full 60 if you want to win and i think you know this was a game where you know carter hart there was nothing wrong with Carter Hart. He always plays well against Edmonton. But, you know, this yep. was one where I even felt like Carter Hart at the end was just like, you know, I I, I really, I don't understand this game. I, I, I did my best here and it just didn't work out. And it kind of was like that. I, I could just see the look on his face and, and it was just, it was just a weird game. It really was. And it started out weird, right? With the lineup in particular. And, One thing I want to talk about specifically is Kevin Hayes getting moved back to center for this one on a line with Ollie Lixell and Joel Farabee. And this seemed to me to be, I would call this the doghouse line. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, where I think that it's hard to tell whether he was trying to put these guys in a position to succeed or bury them. Well, I think you you may have buried Ollie because of the, you know, four minute minor, but I mean, offensively, Ollie was actually looking pretty good, but we up know until how this... that that penalty, which was, you know, it was unfortunate because I don't think it was a particularly egregious high stick, and it just was poor bad luck that it turned into a double minor. Right, but you know how 
the coaching staff use these things. And Understood. So that's – I'm just – I'm marking it with that, not with, like, Russ Cohen's grade. Um, and then Faraby, same thing. I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be honest here. I, I think the use of Joel Faraby lately has been abhorrent. I do, and I do think it's gotten into his head. This is a really good kid who battles hard, and, you know, I think you're trying to squeeze – too much out of out of that stone i do and i feel like we're seeing the results of that now he looked completely frustrated yesterday yeah yeah which of course like did not help the situation you know with hayes trying to readjust to playing center right and, and on a day's and, notice on a day's notice with a, a relatively new teammate a new line mate with right Lixel, you know especially when you're playing center you have to have a certain degree of chemistry and being able to yes. anticipate where your line mates are going to be and this was just not like none of these guys were put in a particularly good place you know to be at their best and yet at the same time you know despite that penalty Lixel actually had a really good play that led to one of the flyers goals mm-hmm. and you know I, I do think that uh, again other than that penalty i think he did he did a pretty good job and i just think that there was just this uh, like collapse once mcdavid was like oh i guess i got that 800th point now i gotta you know put the cherry on top of this yeah. game because a secondary assist doesn't count in my book. Yeah. And I think that's, <laughs> I think that's pretty close to what his thinking was. Cause he really was bound and determined and, and dry who was having this sleepy bad game for a while, you know, yeah. finally, you know, he was, and, and then finally woke up too. Uh, you know, look, Noah Cates got a nice goal. He, he was fiery. He had to go up against McDavid. Like that's, it's a lot for him. And, you know, he did his best. That's fine. Uh, the Flyers were getting yeah. toasted in the offense, in, in their defensive zone on, on face-offs. And, and that was something where we all could foresee that. I mean, that was just, there's nothing that they were going to be able to do on that. So, you know, again, we're at this point in the season where nothing is certain with this team. I can't tell you what lines are certain. I can't tell you certain with certainty who's staying and who's going. And so, you know, the, the frustrating part to try and cover this team is that um, we're three quarters, more than three quarters away through a season. And other than yes, they play harder and they're harder to play against. I can't tell you much else about this team. No, it's really difficult to put the nail on the head with, with this team. And, and I think that, uh, with John Tortorella, you know, he said specifically after the game that he thought the team generally played well um, and he was proud of the effort, which, you know, at this point in the season, it, it's hard to tell whether he was covering for something here or he genuinely believed it because, yeah. you know, we've been getting these mixed messages from him. Yes. And so it, it is definitely hard to tell. One thing that is also hard to tell is what the situation with Travis Sanheim is related to how Torts feels. Uh, I thought Sanheim had a, a mixed bag of a, a real game. mixed bag. I mean, and look, the one goal I'm banked not... off him, right? I mean, it hit off right. him. Um, like, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, it, you know, that's one of those plays. But I don't know. I just, again, if I feel there's one player who hasn't fit into the system, it's Travis Sanheim. And he's got a long-term deal. And, you know, I still have this gut feeling that they're going to shop him. 
whether anybody's interested or not, who knows, because it's a long-term deal. But, you know, if they retain some salary, <clears throat> it's possible they could do it. You hate to do it because he's a young guy and you know he's going to do better somewhere. But is he going to do better with John Tortorella? I don't know. We haven't seen it. It is a real difficult thing to try and assess. Um, I, I, I think also... Tony D'Angelo's negative defensive skills came into play oh, yeah. in this one. It was very apparent. And especially, you know, having the two of them uh, out there for most of the game, I would say there was yeah. one or the other of them out there. It was, uh, it was very difficult to try and, you know, figure out what the, the Flyers were trying to accomplish defensively, especially in that third period. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. I, I just don't get it. Um, look, I understand they're invested in D'Angelo, but at this point, shouldn't they just have him on the third pairing? Like, that's what he is. He's a third pairing defenseman. And even Tortorella admitted that. And yet he's going yeah. against it still. He's fighting it. Like, why? At this point, find guys for other places. You still have Ivan Provorov, who's playing really well. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, he actually had a pretty good game. He had a overall. really good game, but I don't even know. Can you even tell me the last time the coach said anything positive about Ivan Provorov? Other than when that thing happened that I don't want to talk about? Other than that, I yeah. can't think of one. Yeah, it's been a while since there's been like an outward assessment of his play on the ice. And I think that. Um, I don't know. That could be for trade reasons. That that could be for a, a lot of other reasons. But it it is concerning that you know there's just sort of this default setting with Ivan yeah. Provorov right now. Um, yeah, you don't even want to know what they'd look like without him. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do also want to mention uh, the Travis Konechny situation because you know obviously he wasn't there, so that did shuffle the lines sure. a little bit. <clears throat> to be fair, but um, it is concerning that, you know, it, it looks like there could be at least a medium term injury going oh, on. Oh yeah. He's here. not going to be there next game. Let's be real. Yeah. He, he will not be there next game. Uh, he's in a sling. Uh, you know, the team said they're going to wait to get him evaluated. Fine. Whatever. You know, the funny thing about that is, and let's be real about that. They want Travis Konecki to see their doctors because obviously it's something that they feel like their doctors need to see, but they already have an idea of what the injury is. Trust me. Yeah. I mean, that's why they travel with certain medical staff. Right. But I, I do think that it is concerning for his individual play sake over the course of the season yes. and the team, you know, um, and the trade deadline, which is uh, fast approaching. We've got under 10 days left until March 3rd, and some things have changed around the league that may have affected what the Flyers may or may not be up to for the trade deadline, and we are going to talk about that coming up next. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the fans FanDuel Sports app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. Uh, you know, right now, I, I kind of like the way the 76ers are. They're probably a team that uh, are worthy of some prop bets. 
Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the game. The chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Russ, uh, there's been some activity around the NHL in terms of trade deadline deals that could affect what the market is for some of the Flyers players. And uh, I think obviously the biggest deal over the last few days was O'Reilly going to the Leafs. He got a hat trick in his first game as a Leaf. So that's working out well for the Leafs, I guess, in the in the immediate. I mean, they gave up a lot of draft capital, though. I mean, they did. He's a terrific player. Don't get me wrong. And on another show that I was on, uh, I was told that St. Louis knows what they're doing because he's on the way down. And I kind of fought back on that. I did. I punched up on that because I'm like, I don't think he's on the way down yet. Uh, and I, I think am. he's going to still be good for at least two, three more years. So, and from the looks of it, he will be. So this is, this will help the Leafs for sure. And they're probably going to still make another move. Still, are they going to be Tampa? I don't know, man. I don't know either. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we still have on the table if Gavrikov is going to go to the Bruins. It seems like that's the direction. Everybody's talking about it, but you know how it is with Bruins rumors. Once a Bruin rumor starts, it's like it it gains like massive, like almost like Indiana Jones with that ball chasing them effect. And then sometimes it just disappears. And so this one seems like it could happen because it seems like the market for Gavrikov has shrunken a little. And so we'll see. We'll see if the Bruins. There's only like a couple of teams who are still potentially in it for that one, including the Bruins. Yeah. Um, I I think the deals or the situations that are closer to what the Flyers are dealing with or could be dealing with. Tyler Mott got traded back to the Rangers again. (laughs) Um, Please, can we do do this with Justin Braun? (laughs) (laughs) It probably will happen. It probably will happen again. The funny thing with with Mott to the Rangers is, you know, you saw when the Rangers got Tarasenko that they, that was like the little bit of offense that they needed when maybe uh, guys weren't going to score from the the bottom six. But now that he's there and the kid line's scoring again, uh, their offense looks really good. Like it's probably top yeah. five in the league the last couple of weeks, but it's top twelve right now. And so Mott is that guy where you add him and it's like, yeah, you get some sandpaper. He, if you have him at center, he'll take faceoffs and win him. But if not, he could play the wing. He plays tough. He could score occasional goals. He had a couple goals in the playoffs. Usually scores them at a, at a very opportune time. And yeah, he's just a guy that gives you safe minutes in, in, you know, important games. So everybody wants players like that. And if the Flyers had more guys like that, they would get more action. Right. Yeah, and and that's where the issue is, right? And we very recently talked about Luke Shen um, as a trade deadline, you know, acquisition for somebody looking for a depth defenseman. Um, He was officially sat last night uh, in anticipation of a trade over the next couple of days, potentially. And I so I think this like Tyler Mott deal and this potential Luke Shen deal is kind of along the lines of what the Flyers could be offering right now. Yeah, I think um, I think that's 
very similar, except the only thing is, and, and people aren't going to want to hear it, right now because of Luke Shen's salary, he's way more in demand than anybody the Flyers have. That's the issue here. And the Travis Konechny injury is unfortunate for you know, just him being injured and out of the lineup reasons, but also if they were thinking about selling high on him. Yeah. Now there's this question mark, is he hurt? And so we're going to have to wait and see, you know, is he going to be healthy enough to contribute to a team at the playoffs this year? And if not, you know, that takes another piece off the chessboard for the Flyers of who they might be shopping. Yeah, I think... Chuck Fletcher's going to tell you there's a lot of conversations because everybody has conversations just, you know, just on the off chance that Chuck Fletcher says, hey, we're not happy. And, you know, name a guy that another team wants, you know, like Noah Cates. Hey, we don't know about. And then someone says, oh, well, you know, we're interested in Noah Cates, but that's not going to happen. But I'm just using that as an example. Uh, so you bring up JVR or I bring up JVR. The fact that he only has nine goals is puzzling. And it's not going to help his value. He's not getting a second-round pick. He's not. Um, JVR, Which is what they would need to get for him. I know, you know but in, I just in not, terms they, of ideal return, and it's they won't it's get it in this draft. A, they won't get it in this draft. They may get a second-round pick in the twenty-four draft. That's possible, like a conditional second, like if the team goes whatever. That's probably what Chuck Fletcher is going to be fishing for now is just a conditional second, and it probably won't be in this draft. He's just not done enough. Yeah, it's unfortunate, especially because he hasn't produced on the power play. Two power play goals. That's it. Yeah, and that's supposed to be his bread and butter, right? And that's what you acquire him for is the the net front presence, tip-ins, power play. And he just has not produced at that level. Now, you know, would he produce at that level with, slightly better guys around him probably but i I think that it's still it's still not there in terms of an ideal trade situation and that sort of brings 15 16 goals you, you would get a second round pick right but that brings up the question you know are the flyers sellers no matter what or sellers for the right price no they're sellers no matter what i mean there's certain guys that they have to get rid of no matter what uh you know, maybe a team asked to see Kevin Hayes at center. That is possible. You know, so, because look, if the Flyers could move Kevin Hayes, I think they would. I think it's pretty clear that Kevin Hayes and the coach right now, it's not a perfect mesh here. It's not even close. So, but a problem is, is, is his contract. People know he can yeah. play, uh, but the contract's bad. This is where, you know, the Chuck Fletcher contracts really hurt you because, uh, right now with the cap being tight for this year and only going up like a little over a million next year, it's hard to add these salaries. Even if you're going to do, you know, big time retention, they could do big time retention on Hayes and, you know, that would garner you your second round pick and a prospect for sure. But that's only if right. a team's really, really interested in him, which maybe there's one, maybe you hope there's one. Can't say for sure. You know, Ivan Provorov, that definitely would be a market for but I think that one you're playing with fire because there is no replacement. There's nobody you can get out in the open market that you're going to get to be a number one defenseman that's going to be a number one. Now, if you're going to just set it up where you have a bunch of twos and threes and, you know, as your defense going forward, maybe you can get away with that. But, I, you know, not with the guys they have in-house. So 
I just think they'll be a lot worse team if they get rid of them than if they keep them. And we'll see what they do about that one. Yeah, I think my concern is obviously JVR, you know, expiring contract. He's somebody you get rid of no matter what. Yeah, you have to. Um, you have to. Um, you get the best return you possibly can, but you really need to make that deal. But guys who aren't on expiring contracts, I think that there's a question now of whether you make the deal or not if you're going to get, you know, way undercompensated. Well, or have to retain too much salary. I think you, you don't necessarily not do it either, but I think you have to think about it, in, especially in a situation like Provorov, because he is so much less replaceable than some of the other guys that you would think about. Right. I, I agree with that. I think the big thing here is you have to ask yourself and the team would have to ask themselves, um, well, what if I can't trade these guys? Coach, are you OK with that? The coach is going to be involved in this. And, you know, we don't know who he doesn't want on the team next year. And we might find that out at the deadline. Right. You know what I mean? Based on the fact that they get get traded, even though the return may not be what we think it should be. We have to remember there's guys there that that are frustrating John Tortorella, too. All right. Well, so many more questions than answers, I think, at this point. What did you expect, Rachel? Yeah. Uh, and you all have some questions and we will answer them coming up next. All right, Russ, we've got some good mailbag questions today. Our friend Mario wants to know what is the difference in mindset a GM could have when trading players who are out of contention for the playoffs and then trading players when you're close to winning a Stanley cup. Uh, He uses the example of Mike Richards and Jeff Carter traded way back in 2010. Were those trades made just to free up money to sign Brizgalov? No, no, but I, and I was totally, by the way, on record here, a hundred percent against Brizgalov. I was like, he is not the best goalie out there. This is a waste (laughs) of money. Like I said, it it was well, a waste of money. A lot of us, a lot of us. Felt I'm sure. That way. I, I'm sure, and and it was very apparent when the Winter Classic rolled around and he didn't get the start that that was the start of a very rocky relationship. Anyhow, because I was in, I basically was right in the room there where he walked over to a trash can, threw his piece of gum like just jammed it into the trash can, and I looked at guys and I get, I said, I guess he's not starting in the Winter Classic, and, and it kind of started. <laughs> It started from there. But to answer the question, there were problems with Richards and Carter that they didn't like. Uh, They were off the ice issues, and they moved them out as a result. They got a pretty good return for those guys. Like, everything that worked out, you know, Couturier, all that was all a function of that. And so that was out of necessity for guys um, just not fitting in with what the team was looking for on and off the ice. Now, when you're out of contention for the playoffs, you not only should be in sell mode, but you should be very aggressively in sell mode. And I don't believe Chuck Fletcher is very aggressively in sell mode because other teams now, again, other teams could just be going down a laundry list of way better players. I, I'll, I'll grant that, but that is fair. And that's fair. But I think now that like, you know, at least what three players, offensive players are off the board. Uh, he should be trying to shove JVR's, you know, stats down a lot of GM's throats to try and get him interested. Like he should be, you know, calling everybody about him because at some point 
you you're going to get somebody to bite on JVR. And again, you don't want to be in the situation where, okay, it's like an hour left in the trade deadline. And now I got to trade them for a fourth or a fifth just to trade them because otherwise nobody could fit them in anymore. Uh, Jeff wants to know, what is the level of risk you would have for the Flyers in the upcoming draft in terms of taking players that might have a downside versus guys that are more likely to hit but don't have as much of a ceiling? Well, so you're talking about the quintessential safe pick. And the Flyers' current brass loves that. That's why they didn't take Cole Caulfield, because they didn't want to take a chance. They they went with safe, so they ended up getting, you know, Cam York, who's here and looks good, and, and Bobby Tyson Brink. Forster. Yeah, and Forster is another was another safe pick for sure. They generally go safe. Uh, in this draft, you could go safe and you'll get an NHL player, but I think fans are tired of getting um, third-line guys in the end. So... When you're picking as high as they're going to pick, and we just did a tankathon on Sirius yesterday, and we'll start doing it on this show, but we did it, and the Flyers picked eighth on that one. If you're picking eighth, don't pick safe. If you're in the top ten, do not pick safe. You you really need to hit on at least a second liner and possibly a first liner, and this might be the draft to do it. So I would say don't pick safe. Go with the high upside, the high skill. Yeah. They, they lack playmakers. And honestly, other than Travis Connecting, you know, Frost has a certain skill level, but they, but he even doesn't have the skill level of a top-line guy. Like, they don't have anybody with the skill level of that. They don't have anybody like that coming. And, and Connecting's really not that top-line guy. On a really good team, he'd be a second-line guy. And they don't have that. They need to get that, and this is how you get that. Yeah, I am absolutely of the opinion that you take a much bigger risk this time around because the reward possibilities are tremendous. And I feel like this is a draft where somebody who's picked in the eight to 12 range is going to be like a star in the league. Yeah. They need stars. They're lacking that. All right. Uh, This is a good follow-up question to that, actually. (laughs) Um, How much accountability should there be on Brent Flair's shoulders right now? Or is this an all Chuck Fletcher issue in a buck stops here kind of way? No, I think they're they're looked at as a pair for, you know, as far as drafting and developing. Let's not forget developing because development has been a big issue in this organization. Uh, I, I would say that I'm probably one of the more vocal ones in the media as far as uh, drafting and developing and just thinking that the drafting has been mediocre. And, you know, a lot of times that really isn't brought up. So I don't feel like um, Brent feels as much pressure as Chuck Fletcher. But if, you know, if Chuck were to get moved upstairs, I can't tell you Brent's job is safe either. Uh, I, I I could tell you if they wanted to really go over the drafting and look at the developing, you know, for the last five years, even though it's not all them, uh, because, again, I think uh, something that's lost in the equation here is uh, they're developing a lot of Ron Hextall's picks, right? And the yeah. ones that work out great, nobody talks about because they're Ron Hextall's picks. And the ones that don't work out, they say, see, Hextall drafted the wrong guy here. He should have drafted that guy. But this group has been developing these guys, not Ron Hextall. He's been long gone. And these guys have been developing them. And the ones that don't develop, it's on them. That's not on Ron Hextall anymore. I mean, if you want to say yeah. one one or two of those guys aren't good picks, fine. But when you see a bunch of them not developing, that's on these guys. 
Yeah, Ron Hextall has his own problems with the penguins <laughs> right does. now. He really does. <laughs> People are starting to catch a, a wind of that in Pittsburgh right now. Yeah, but I'm just saying, yeah. be fair. You have to look at it yeah. fairly because, you know. It's true. It's true. No, I, th- I think that's spot on. And it is the development side that's starting to worry me because it's it's you're right. All of these guys are turning out to be like third liners that you can maybe bump up to the second line in a, a pinch. Right. Yeah. So uh, hopefully we can get some offensive person uh, like we were just talking about that has a, a high upside. And, and but even just going off the script for one second, if they gotten David Yurichek last year, we love Cutter Gauche. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a great kid, yeah. great player. Had they gotten Yurichek, he'd be in the NHL next year. And if you did trade Provov, we wouldn't even be talking about, hey, is there a guy that could play top pairing? You'd be putting him on the top pairing. Absolutely. All right. Last question. Uh, what is the solution to the Felix Sandstrom situation now that we know Urson is the real backup? Well, we always knew, or, I mean, that Torts was going to make Urson the backup even before the 6-0. and I guess they're just going to bring him on every trip. <laughs> I mean, there is no plan. I, I don't know if they're trading him. I don't think there's a trade market for him. I think they're going to let the season run out and he'll be a flyer next year and he'll be a phantom next year. And I think that's the plan. Yeah. I would hope that they could get some sort of deal for him just to give him a fresh start, you know, just do him a solid, but he's only got one year left. So yeah. Yeah. I just think it's unfortunate for him that he's got to probably wait another year for that. All right, wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing. The Flyers did a nice uh, mini profile of Bobby Brink on TikTok, and it's a very good use of the platform and uh, highlights Bobby Brink, who's been playing well for the Phantoms, as we've been talking about. Uh, That'll do it for today's show. We will be back again tomorrow with the latest on the Flyers, hopefully a Travis Konechny update of sorts. And we're going to talk about Devin Kaplan, who is one of our recent draftees, who's been doing pretty well in his first uh, post-draft season. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. And if you want your mailbag question answered, like we did on today's show, you can tweet us at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail, or you can comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great day, everyone.